As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the I Am Bored in Traffic edition of Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. I want to talk about the quarterbacks in the draft because I love quarterbacks in the draft and out of the draft when they're good. This is my favorite part of draft season. Uh, here's a little anecdote. Unbelievably sick Chevy Bronco, I'm guessing an 89 over there in the parking lot to the right of me underneath of the overpass. Navy blue, go prep, most glorious color there is. White top, spectacular. One could say it's the Anthony Richardson of of Ford Broncos. Jeez, Chevy Bronco. No, sir. Uh, But I'm talking to myself in traffic and I figure, why don't I record this thing? Because... This group of four quarterbacks this year, no offense to Hendon Hooker, it's four for me, is such an intriguing group. They fit into such distinct and different boxes that it, it could be dealer's choice or it could be you know, whatever flavor of ice cream you like. With ice cream being quarterbacks, that might be your favorite quarterback, but... I think I have some pretty strong thoughts on the quarterback class already without having uh, broken any of these guys down on film yet. So here's where I'm at with it. I think – put myself out here. I I sort of think there's a clear one and two in the the, – they could be tied. They could be one above the other. But I do truly think Anthony Richardson – and C.J. Stroud are the clear top two quarterbacks. I think that if Bryce Young were three inches taller, which, by the way, is a lot of inches, probably four inches taller, if you're four inches taller, I think he legitimately would be the most surefire quarterback since Andrew Luck and Joe Burrow because – his Bryce Young's ability to play with trash around him in the pocket and make incredibly accurate and aggressive throws is unlike almost anybody we've ever seen at the college level. I talk about this every year. We don't often get the opportunity to see these quarterbacks at the elite schools play against elite pass rushes because generally when you're playing for Ohio State or Alabama, your offensive line is pretty much holding everybody off. And so we don't really get to see you play in real NFL conditions where stuff goes to crap and you need to be able to not only read the field, but deliver super accurate throws while you are in a compromised position. And Bryce Young's amazing at that. 
And not only does he do that, but he throws the ball downfield. He throws to score, which is another sort of main element of playing quarterback in the NFL. The only thing is he's, he's tinier than tiny. This is the smallest quarterback ever. I mean, Doug Flutie cut in front of me on a scavenger hunt for, um, I believe it was like a, it was a special needs um, scavenger hunt. I'm not getting there. So did he really cut me or did he just do what he had to do? And I said, please, sir, go where you need to go. Uh, he cut in front of me at a line at, a, at the beach one time. I said, oh my God, that's Doug Flutie. He was glorious, handsome. He was thick. He was very short, but the man was thick. Look at Bryce Young standing next to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is substantially thicker than Bryce Young. In addition to that, Kyler Murray has a substantially better arm and is substantially faster. Bryce Young is unbelievable at playing the quarterback position, but damn, it is hard to play at that size. I know we have Drew Brees and and Russ until this last year ruined his entire legacy. (laughs) But other than that, hasn't really worked for Kyler. And uh, not not saying that he's dead yet, or and Baker, I don't think he's dead yet. But just I think the smallness of Bryce Young is historic, and I feel like if he plays for a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan type coach, he could be awesome because he's such a great. He's the best peer quarterback of all this group. Honestly, he's the best peer quarterback to me. Besides Joe Burrow, that's come out in recent years. In terms of just that smooth ability to play within the pocket and outside of the pocket and make plays and push the ball downfield. But he's absolutely tiny. So I think that there are plenty of teams that will get him actually killed. Like death by broken legs. So I'm not going to put him at number one, even though if he were a few inches taller, he would be number one. So that brings me to my other two number ones. Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud, who I who I will talk about after I don't talk about them once again because I gotta address Will Levis. Will Levis is awesome. His personality is so good that it's it's probably impossible that he's good at football because he's self aware, cool guy. He puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Just weird for the sake of weird, that makes you cool as a quarterback for me. You know, traditionally conservative bunch of guys. Put mayonnaise in your coffee. Look, I hate the sound of that, but that's a guy who's willing to take risks. And, you know, somewhat artistic. I don't know, maybe you're cutting the coffee with a, with a different sort of a thicker base than a milk. Interesting. I saw him a couple of years ago, I think, eat a banana without peeling it. This guy's got metal. But Will Levis, to me, is Drew Locke. So spectacular arm but and played at a horrible school in Kentucky who they're going to be the worst team on the field every single week pretty much, almost every single week. The receivers are going to be worse. The line's going to be worse. The coaching's going to be worse. Every He's always going to be at a disadvantage. So you do have to take that into account. But my thing with him is that his bouts of inaccuracy scare me more than, uh, than um, Richardson because he's not 
he doesn't run like Richardson. Yes, Levis can move around and get in, in and out of the pocket, but to me, the inaccuracy is is consistent. Just from the little I've seen and what I've heard from other quarterback analysts, and I haven't seen that work for a guy who's not an elite scrambler. Like people talk about how inaccurate Josh Allen was in college, and he had a similar situation where he's playing at Wyoming. And I don't know if they're necessarily always the worst team on the field, but that film was brutal looking at the talent around him. You know, Zach Wilson had a lot of that too. When you watch BYU, it is absolutely shocking how slow his receivers are. But with Josh Allen, he had two other things going for him. Well, three other things. Number one, the throwing motion was so smooth. He has that quote unquote flick, that sort of Aaron Rodgers flick. Aaron has it, you know, Mahomes has it when he wants to use it. Kyler Murray as a, you know, there's, there's a few guys who have that sort of quote unquote flick, which is generally a pretty elite quality. And, and Josh Allen had that, let alone Will Levis has, has great size, but Josh Allen is a monster and he's unbelievably fast and a great scrambler. So Will Levis to me is kind of the one who I can just see. It reminds me a lot of Drew Locke. Hey, he's got a cool personality. He's, he's lighthearted. Sometimes those guys end up being head cases. But the bigger thing is that that ball sprays all over the place. And I think a lot of those super strong-armed quarterbacks who've had those strong arms for their whole lives, I think they struggle a little bit when you know push comes to shove, when it's accuracy time. So I am if I'm a team, I'm not taking him before pick 20. And to me, he's really a second-round quarterback as a result of that. And to me, you're either a first-round quarterback, a second-round quarterback, or a fifth or sixth rounder. Like, why are we taking quarterbacks in the third or fourth round? Because to me, either you are a first-rounder, which means, okay, we could see this being a Super Bowl-winning quarterback or above. And Super Bowl-winning could even mean, you know, Kirk Cousins. Like, okay, this guy is is good if if we have an amazing team around him. Uh, you know, probably the, the, the lowest part of that um, group that you could get to would be like Kirk or Derek Carr or whatever. But that's a first-round quarterback. The second-round quarterback to me is like that maybe, but there's some weird extenuating circumstances like with Russ and Drew Brees. Okay, they're absolutely tiny. With Drew Locke, it's like, man, the tools are incredibly great, but the stats and the performance in college was poopy, and sort of just like Will Levis. And then, so like, what are you doing? Wait until the third or fourth round. Like, if you think that's a guy who could legit be a star, take him in the second, get it done. But, you know, don't go half-ass with the third round, fourth round thing, the Mason Rudolph, Josh Dobbs strategy, which was like, could we really not get those guys in the fifth or sixth round? I mean, it's maddening. So that brings me finally to the big two. So Anthony Richardson, I think, has the highest floor of almost any quarterback in the past few years, you know, besides when you're talking about the really guaranteed guys like Joe Burrow or it got very odd how people overthought the Justin Herbert thing. But the reason why I think Anthony Richardson has such a high floor is the second he steps on an NFL field, he is going to be the biggest, strongest, fastest player on the field including the TJ Watts and Joey Bosa's and Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett to the world. Like this guy 
You look at what Justin Fields did. Imagine Justin Fields with like 20 extra pounds of muscle. Worst case scenario, if Anthony Richardson throws 10 times a game, he is going to run the ball on teams. And if he has a good run game around him with the, with the rest of the running backs, you could throw some play action bombs. You don't have to be a precise passer. And the reason why I think this is so, so profound with him is it, it's finally here. The running quarterback offense that we've been waiting for since Michael Vick has finally caught on in the NFL and Jalen Hurts being in the Super Bowl has proven that. Like running is an important quarterback skill. I don't know how you want to make the hierarchy where his accuracy throwing under tra- in the trash, uh, arm strength, pocket movement. I don't know exactly where you want to put it on that list. It, you know, it's not going to be above the, the combination that Aaron Rodgers has or Ben of being able to kill you from within the pocket and then make extra plays. But that running, I'm out of the car now. You can probably hear that. That running is an elite quality. And I think power football, power run and defense, the, the modern version of that is finally showing. And if you can run the ball and have a running quarterback and play the field position game, basically you run, 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 run. And that quarterback, like if you're a fan of Lamar or a fan of Jalen, you're sitting there on the internet trying to defend how good at passing he is. We don't have to do that. He is, those guys are not in the same freaking universe as Joe Burrow. And guess what? They never will be. Now, their arm strength and occasional accuracy, yeah, sure, it's super elite. But they don't have the nuanced passing that those other guys had who had to grow up in that, right? And that doesn't matter because the running is such a major factor. And so we have to stop pretending like that's not an elite factor for quarterbacks. And Jalen Hurts has demonstrated it perfectly. He is not making the nuanced type of throws that, you know, Josh Allen is making. But he makes good throws. He makes great decisions. The defense is screwed with his running ability and the offensive line who can get those other running backs who are pretty average in Philadelphia and get them loose. And then the one big thing is Jalen Hurts for the passing deep ball. He's kind of like, he's got like a Joe Flacco thing going on. It's like, okay, everything's okay. But damn, that deep ball is great. That is a viable strategy in the NFL. The Chicago Bears, who have literally no talent on offense or on the offensive coaching staff, um, Justin Fields basically broke every single rushing record that we thought would never happen. Like we just said, we, Lamar just got into the league, and people are already breaking his rushing record. Like this is. I, I know Justin missed some time at the end, or they sat him for the last game. I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but. Smart move, but for all intents and purposes, he had the rushing record if he wanted. So, with that in mind, I just think that Jalen or that Anthony Richardson, like, like at, at at his very best, because he does have an incredible arm and his throwing motion is good. Like, he can definitely become more accurate, and I think he has a little bit more wiggle room than Will Levis does because he has that running ability to open up the defense and open up more opportunities for him. So he can develop. I don't think it's going to ever be Josh Allen because, like I said, the sex factor of Josh Allen's throwing motion is, is very high. 
<laughs> but I think that the public almost views Anthony a little bit differently where they're like, he's the boomer bust where his ceiling is going to be Cam Newton 2.0 and he's an MVP and he's the best player in the league. I do think that that's true. I mean, nothing's ever going to make you better than Mahomes or those guys or whatever, but his ceiling is incredibly high. I just think if your team isn't a complete moron, his floor is incredibly high. Imagine if the Steelers had him last year. You throw 20 passes a game and you just hand it to Najee and Jalen Warren and then you run run with this Adonis quarterback and then Pickens and Deontay have one-on-one outside and they're going deep. And this man can chuck it. So I think it would be hard to pass him up at number one unless you just want the prototypical NFL quarterback who's C.J. Stroud. So I had obviously heard of C.J. Stroud for the past few years. These Ohio State quarterbacks have failed over and over and over again until, you know, Justin Fields, who I think people might still have questions about him. That's ridiculous. There's no questions about him. He's incredible. They need to hurry up and get some, some talent around him. But he's obviously a bona fide weapon. When you're the best runner in NFL history besides Lamar and Michael Vick, you're, you're good unless your coach absolutely blows and tries to make you play like Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger. Like, come on. Shields is awesome. Stroud is supposed to be even better than him. He struggled a little bit this year and then played one of the sickest, best playoff games I've seen from a quarterback against one of the best defenses of all time. And I know that Georgia lost a ton of their players from the, the, the year before. And I guess they just won the championship again. But C.J. Stroud is hes like a perfect quarterback if he can just answer one question. The one big question is, can he play in trash? It looks like he did that against Georgia in the semifinal game. Um, although he did make a lot of his money in that game by scrambling out of the pocket which is another thing that hopefully he has realized. And it seems by his interviews that he has realized that's a big part of his game. Yes, you need to run more. And I just need to know how good are you while the pocket is glassing around you because he has prototypical size. He has an awesome arm with a super smooth throwing motion, super accurate, very aggressive downfield thrower, knows how to throw dots, knows how to just throw the ball up and give receivers like Harrison a chance to go catch it. That's another NFL skill. And he's just super smooth. I think people saw that at the combine with his throwing performance, but I think if the it looked like a light clicked on for him in the semifinal game versus Georgia, and if that holds he might be the most surefire thing and his ceiling could be even higher than Richardson's because of that traditional quarterback ability. And by traditional, I mean the new traditional, which is like make plays, throwing the ball, but you better be able to scramble a little bit and he can definitely scramble more than a little bit. So that's my thoughts on the quarterbacks without even having dug into their film. I just think there's a lot of... There's a lot about them that's just an inherent truth just from watching them play. It's so intense. Richardson's size and speed, like, how, I don't know how much film you need to watch to know, like, yeah, he's got TJ Watts measurables. He's going to be able to run behind people. Bryce Young, I don't know how much film you need to watch to be able to say, like, he could be good, but this is going to be an issue. Like, there's no way the NFL can be easier for him than a guy like CJ Stroud who has prototypical everything. 
and may just and you know all of these guys are going to be team dependent who gets them hopefully it's a good team and then will levis he's the one i'm sort of taking a risk on because i do like the guy but i just feel like i've heard this story a lot of times um so and i think that it's kind of fun to make these proclamations without having dug super deep into the film which i probably will out of boredom at some point but i don't have as much time as i used to in this podcast life which is a good problem personally but uh for watching the film it uh, is not as good of an issue to deal with but Anyways, there's my pointless quarterbacks in the draft preview for 2023. Twitter at Outpost. SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, go Steelmen. Okay, bye.